In the name of one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's be seated. Well, that's material for about 20 sermons. Have you ever traveled, and the length of time doesn't matter, but traveled somewhere at some time where life looks and feels very different? Could have been something like staying with grandparents during the summer or traveling between seasons from one place to another, maybe a sabbatical. Have you gone and returned and had that experience of it being almost impossible to remember what your home is like when you're away and almost impossible to remember this other place when you're home? My summers growing up in Washington State with my grandparents and my aunties and my uncles and my cousins My memories of that have all faded in my adulthood to mostly a a faint aroma of something unidentifiable, all the way to just flat, still-life paintings and picture postcards. And when I return and I drive again from the Spokane Valley and I go down through the wheat fields of Wenatchee and Waterville and then come across the Cascade Highway towards the logging camps of Republic where the air is so clean and cool that I imagine it must be the same fresh smell of the Archangel Michael's laundry detergent. The whole world just pops back to me like reality, as if it is magic. And it's in my adulthood, then, that here in the desert becomes a dry and desolate and an empty place. It's almost as if these both places can't exist in the same time. You know, my memory is just somehow insufficient to capture such different worlds all at once. And I feel like maybe Simon Peter and the disciples may have felt similarly right after Jesus' crucifixion, as if their lives with Jesus never really existed, as if they were back where they started, cut off from God and cut off from each other, as if both realities just couldn't exist in the same time. In our gospel reading, the disciples have been thrust from their world with Jesus back into the world of their former lives. Once again, they're fishing in Galilee. And their memories of their time with Jesus probably seems unreal. Their Messiah has been crucified, defeated by Roman powers, And the systems of meaning, the systems of community that they had built, listening to Jesus day after day in teaching, they've suddenly come toppling down under the shadow of the cross. And to make things worse, Simon Peter, he now only drifts aimlessly on the sea in which he once found purpose and livelihood He must be especially ravaged. My heart breaks every year this Sunday for Peter. I have to believe with what I know about human shame and frailty that every time he thinks fondly of Jesus, 
Every time he thinks of his friend and his Lord, he has to remember his own betrayal, his own failure, the crowing of the rooster, the acrid smell of the charcoal fire in that courtyard that was burning when he denied being a follower. And not just once, right? Three times. I do not know that man. So having rushed to the shore to meet Jesus, Simon Peter encounters the smell of that fire again. And as it comes into his nostrils, I have to believe he might have been thinking, And he's no longer called Simon Peter. It's even worse than that. He's not called, Peter, you are the rock upon which I will build my church. Simon, son of John. Once again, he is unknown. He is an insignificant fisherman who Jesus met at the beginning of his ministry. And Jesus may be raised from the dead, but Simon Peter still wanders in that empty space in between what we do every day and what we do in the world of God as a beloved created. And I don't know about you, but for me, often that is a space of regrets and failures. But look at what Jesus does. He invites Simon to join him in his reality, in his new reality, in his Easter reality. He invites him to come and eat. He says, I'm here, I want to feed you. And he gives Simon a chance to repent, a chance to undo this act that he has done. And just as Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus gives him three chances. Three times Simon says that he does not know Jesus, and three times Jesus will offer him a new identity as one who feeds and tends Jesus' sheep, one who feeds and tends Jesus' people, and thus feeds and tends Jesus. Resurrection, as Rowan Williams points out, is not only a raising of Jesus' past identity, but it is also a raising of the past identities of those who have known him. So the good news for us, we who suffer inadequacy, we who suffer insecurity, is that Jesus, this victim, he loves instead of condemning. He invites us into a new world of meaning and forgiveness. He raises up each of us with him. And being raised with him, being brought into his new reality, we're no longer forced to choose between distant and opposite shores. So how does that work? Well, you know, we're invited in to recognize Jesus in a miraculous abundance of joy. Joy that we can have in this life, in the very life that surrounds us. Because for these disciples, there is this sudden abundance of joy. There is this sudden moment when the nets are full to capacity, and yet they are not tearing. And in that moment, they know that Jesus is present 
with them. And we too were invited to grasp the joy. We're invited. We're offered an opportunity to make a choice to grasp the joy of the risen Christ in fleeting yet powerful singular moments with an immediate sense of gratitude and love that washes over us, perhaps when we are in the company of friends, perhaps when we receive greeting cards to celebrate a significant birthday, perhaps when we are in the midst of an embrace and hugs from loved ones who have come to visit us. In those moments, we're given an opportunity to express the joy that is the abundant love of Jesus. And you know, there's a commonality in people who experience joy, and that is the constant companion of gratitude. Or maybe we grasp the joy in a sudden abundance of grace that carries us through a time of devastation, a time of conflict, a time that is fraught, forgiveness, that we know in our very core that we do not deserve, meals that are brought to us when we are sick, debts that are forgiven. We even get an opportunity to grasp this abundance of joy in love and the beauty that is around us. The sun setting on the hump of Camelback Mountain, a hummingbird that has built her nest in the crook of the Soleri Bell, a Palo Verde that is bent over with the bright yellow blossoms. God is always present in glorious abundance. But God's love, in general, it's a hard thing to grasp. It's hard to grasp. And yet, there are times when we cannot deny that we know what we're experiencing is God, and it's love, and it's presence of Jesus. And like Simon Peter, we might need to jump in and swim before the two realities can be bridged. Commentators all kind of scratch their heads about this whole naked Simon Peter thing. Uh, And it really comes down to he belted his fisherman smock and jumped in the water. But Simon, he leaves his nets full of fish. Immediately he leaves the boats. All he wants to do is get back to Jesus. He just wants to get back into Jesus' world, into his life, into his presence, into his love, into his embrace. And when we see the risen Christ, sometimes we are compelled the same way to just tie up everything we're doing and to follow, just to leap in. And often there's a leap involved. And often in a leap, there is a reminder that I'm not going to take the time to couch my words. I'm going to say what I'm going to say with no knowledge of the outcome, but that's how I'm going to remind myself that in the face of the love of Jesus, sometimes we're called to be vulnerable. So Peter and the disciples, they eat with Jesus. They allow him to feed them breakfast, just as he fed them before his death all those many times. He feeds them in community gathered together. Theologian Rachel Held Evans wrote that Christianity isn't meant to simply be believed. It's meant to be lived, shared, eaten, spoken, 
and enacted in the presence of other people. She continues by saying, I'm reminded that try as I may, I can't be a Christian on my own. I need community. I need the church. And of course, the meal on the beach is the Eucharist. It's the same meal that Jesus offers us today. And each time we share in the Eucharist, like Simon Peter, we put one foot into that flat, shadowy, guilt, and shame-filled place of inadequacy as we partake of his body and blood that was given for us. Yet at the same time, we are restored by the forgiveness of the one whom we have condemned. Our Easter community is both guilty and restored as we gather in the name of the one who has been crucified and raised. And the Eucharist, it's an activity that opens up the space between our world and the Easter world, and it holds them both together. And as we share the bread and the cup, we enter this place in which there's a strange disjunction between two worlds, and it is bridged. The then and the now come together in this place, in this holy altar, at this rail as we share communion. This place which was old becomes new. This place that killed Jesus meets the world that loves and is filled with Jesus. And once we are fed, then we hear the message. Feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Love my people. Because That's Jesus' call to us. It's the only reason we're here. And they're not our sheep. They're God's sheep. They're Jesus' people. They're the Spirit's presence in the world. So we are called to feed them, not ignore them, to love them, not to betray them, to embrace them, not to set them aside. It's our only purpose, it's our only meaning as Easter people, is to love and to follow. And it doesn't matter where our wanderings have taken us. It doesn't matter where our wanderings will take us. And it doesn't matter who we are, priest, attorney, teacher, mom, dad, student. It doesn't matter. When we are raised with Christ into Christ's post-Easter reality, we belong to him. And in Christ, and with Christ, and through Christ, our ordinary lives are not just tossed aside, but they are sanctified, and they are holy. And our memories, they're not erased, but they are cleared of guilt and shame and inadequacy, and failure, and resentment, and self-loathing, because we are made whole to follow Jesus wherever he leads us.